0: Alright, we'll start right at the very top of what the Lord put in my spirit. It's in Romans, uh, get my glasses out there please, it's in Romans 12, and I'm just going to start reading from verse 1 and read verses 1 and 2. It says, I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy. And that's not W-H-O-L-L-Y, which means completely that is holy, which means cleansed, pured, sanctified. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service. That means, that's what God requires of us. That's what He wants us to do. That, that's required of us. You know, when you've got a job or you, you do certain things, there are requirements. There's people require where the Lord requires us to be a vessel that is holy and we can give ourselves to the Lord totally submitted like a sacrifice that He can live in us And work through us. And he said, When you've done it, you've not done something special. That's your reasonable service. That's what you're supposed to be doing. And then he goes on and says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable. And perfect will of God. And that was early Wednesday morning on the 28th of August. The Lord woke me up and started dealing with me about this scripture in uh, 12 and 2. And the thing that he brought to my attention was this second part, or be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And when he spoke that word transformed to me, I heard the word evolved. Evolved, and I've got the definitions right below this top. Uh, conformed means to be fashion-like or alike, to conform to the same pattern. So when the Lord is telling us not to be conformed to this world, He's not telling us just to dress different. That's something man's come up with. He's telling us to be different in our thoughts, in our words, in our actions, and in our deeds. I don't care how much of the Holy Ghost you confess or how much you confess being a Christian. If you're still anger, bitter, walking envy, jealousy, and strife, you're conformed to the world. You're just like the world. And that's not what the Lord wants out of His people. That's the reason He said, Don't be conformed to this world, but be ye therefore transformed. And the word transformed here means to uh, metamorph, change, transfigure, transform. And in a prophecy in Fort Payne, in July, the Lord spoke three things. He said, This is the time that I will translate you, transform, transform you, and illuminate you. So God is wanting to do something in us so that our life would be a witness that Christ lives in here. Jesus didn't run around uh, trying to convince people by His words. His actions manifested God manifested the nature of God, the power of God, the love, the forgiveness. So our actions has to translate to the world, the Christ. The Christ needs to be revealed in us. Y'all following with me? Okay. So, and he said you've got to be transformed, which the word transform is to metamorph, or in metamorphosis, it's a scientific term for change. Okay, uh, by the renewing—in this word, renewing here—to means to renovate or to remodel the mind, and the only thing that can renovate and remodel the mind is the Holy Ghost, is the Spirit of Christ. You can't do it in yourself. I don't care how good you are. I, I don't care uh, how morally upright you are how much you think you know how smart you are, you need to go get a pen. Okay. I don't want him sitting there not being able to take notes because this is a noteworthy teaching. (laughs) So, and the mind translates into your intellect, your thoughts, and your feelings. So, If we're confessing we're Christians and we got the same thoughts and the feelings that we had before we accepted Christ, something's not right. Something's not right. So, this is what the Lord is telling us here. And He's saying, let your mind, and this is what the Lord... Your mind's got to evolve. It's got to evolve from where we were when we were sinners. And once we accept Christ, it's got to continually evolve. Because when you accept Christ, the Bible will tell you, you're a babe in Christ. Peter says that you desire the sincere miracle of the Word, being a babe. In other words, you've got to be fed with milk. You've got to be fed just like a newborn baby. You can't feed a baby beefsteak. You can't feed it hard food. You've got to feed it soft food or milk, before you can give it soft food. And that's what causes it to form and grow. But as that baby grows, then he gets stronger and stronger food to give it more and more nutrition. So the Lord, His Word is simple. It's really simple. And He breaks it down for us. And uh, I want to go ahead and uh, read up here at the top After I put those scriptures in, give all the meanings to it, uh, I'm right up above all the definitions. But the main thing was the word transform. And I heard the word evolve, so herein lies the problem with people that have been in church for several years and confessed to having the Holy Ghost and have had God change them after a fashion when they first confessed their salvation. Now I'm going down below the definitions. They testify how God changed them, but when it comes to examining the testimony, so much of what they speak of are the bondages and the vices that had their natural man down bound. I've heard testimonies by people all my life. God delivered me from alcohol. God delivered me from cigarettes. God delivered me from chewing tobacco. God delivered me from chasing women. You know, that those are the kind of things that people have talked about. But as far as God changing the inward man, you don't hear it. You don't hear people talking about it. Just like when you come to the Lord. God took the desire for drugs away from you. That was gone. But how many people do you hear say, God took the anger and the bitterness and the strife and the jealousy. He took the works of the flesh out of me and begin to bring forth in me the fruit of the Spirit. So that is what people are looking for. You cannot confess to have the Holy Ghost that I believe in. You have, If you confess the Holy Ghost that I believe in, you are confessing there's a measure of the resurrected Christ living in you. I'm so tired of this, this doctrine on tongues. I'm so tired of... If you got the Holy Ghost you got to speak in tongues. How about if you got the Holy Ghost, the nature of Christ is beginning to be revealed in you. How about a kindness and a tenderness and a gentleness and a meekness? How about the fruit of the spirit? How about some temperance or some self-control? How about some love? How about let the the resurrected living Christ ta- begin to transform your mind? Begin to move in your mind and you begin to think different and act different and talk different and behave yourself different. You know, uh, my wife started bringing out, and I may get her to elaborate on it, but we were sitting in the living room yesterday and she had been studying. and I said, Lord, been dealing with you? She said, Yeah, man, she started rolling this off. I taught on some of this in Bible study Thursday night at the house, and then she started, uh, Tell him what God had told her. I said, that starts in right where I left off. Because I was talking about the mind and what's going to happen in the mind. And I'm going to let her expound, if you're up for it, what God put in her. Because we talk about the Holy Ghost. We talk about people having the Holy Ghost. But yet, nothing ever changes. I can preach the kingdom, and I do preach the kingdom, and I center on the power and the authority and the dominion, power over demons, but at the same time, the Lord began to show her that the nature and the mind and life of Christ is as much a part of the kingdom as the power and dominion. So... You want to... Oh,
1: yeah, you're talking about what I texted yeah. Christopher the other day? Yeah, what she, was, like that. T- yeah okay. what she was telling me. All right, y'all, let me look here right quick and just read what I... <clears throat> and then we'll go from there. Because it's hard for me to just pull the thought that, that as the Lord gave it to me, so I'm ready to pull that up. Okay. Um All it comes to me that we, I, could have been missing the mark when seeking and declaring the gospel of the kingdom. Perhaps instead of teaching about the kingdom and using all the catchphrases, we should simply teach Christ in you. Um, And the reason I started on that was um, Brother John teaches a lot about the gospel of the kingdom, you know, and there's a lot, I, I began to realize there's a lot of, catchphrases a lot of different ideas about the gospel of the kingdom of what that would mean to different people and i've asked him he says all jesus did was preach the kingdom i said but what did he say right like what does that mean how do you preach the kingdom i couldn't really wrap my head around it if it's a salvation message what do we know repent be baptized in the name of jesus christ for remission of sins right you know that's a salvation real short version but you know that's what you're going to preach if you're preaching a salvation message but what are you going to preach when you preach the kingdom and i've asked that many times and the lord began opening my understanding so i say you know instead of using these catchphrases about the kingdom and to you know getting all hung up on you know power and miracles and all of that which is obviously going to be part of it um let's take a step back um and we should teach christ in you uh as Jesus said, as me and my Father are one. After all, this is the root of what caused the Jews to think Jesus had blasphemed. Was to, that because he thought he, because he said he was one, that one is me and my Father are one. If you teach being one with Him, then you teach being subject to His nature. The signs will follow. We don't have to worry about that. So when you become subject to his nature, the carnal is leaving. That's the enmity. That's going more and more out, and more and more of that nature of Christ is coming, being one with God. Well, the power is irrelevant. God doesn't worry about power. He is, because he is. So because as we are, as him, it's there. If we need it, it's there, the more we are subject to him and becoming as him. That's the way, at least that's how it was, you know, coming in my mind as I was meditating on this. Um, It's uh, it's the power through the Holy Ghost to be one with Him, even as He and the Father are one. That's what He intended for us. That's what He says in His Word. Uh, And we can do it right here. That is what uh, declaring the gospel of the kingdom is. And I believe when the scripture says He was preaching the kingdom, This is what he would be referring to, the being one as he and the Father are one. The gospel of the kingdom should be a simple gospel that will preach anywhere to anybody to seek to be one with him. And I know that's come out in some prophecies that over the last year or so, I believe. I I know I've heard the Lord say that, but I began to get a greater understanding and if we if we really look at the life of Christ, how he declared that he was one with the Father, that's, that, that infuriated the Jews. That, that was blasphemy in their eyes. Well, that he turns around and says, and I want y'all to be one with me, even as me and my Father are one. And just the more I got thinking about that, well, that is, we would be persecuted for that as well because people don't want to when they throw the scripture around being joint heirs with Christ, do you really believe that? That's being one, one with him. And people immediately, it's kind of a knee jerk. They draw back. That makes people uncomfortable. How can you? No. That's what my Savior did. That's what the price he paid. That's what he bought for me. That's his goal. That ministry of reconciliation, to reconcile us back to the Father. And uh, what, what was the other scripture? Being that partaker of his divine nature. Not some of the time. He, We can do it all of the time. It is a growth. Uh, it is Part of what I was talking about earlier, it doesn't just fall on you. You must pursue it. You must submit to the working of his spirit that changes you to make you like him. He spoke to us through a prophecy and said that he had equipped us with the ability to slay the carnal mind. That means that nature of Christ, the measure that we've received is enough to put us on that road to slay that carnal mind. And that means the continual submitting to him, that you know, part of that mind dies out, the renewing of the spirit of the mind comes in, and we begin that metamorphosis, that translation into being transformed into that nature of christ so that those were uh pretty much i think that's the basic um thought concept that i had in my mind that the, to me it was a greater understanding and i believe part of it came because i too you know as my son was going out of the country i'm thinking you know what do you say this is this will this will preach to anybody If you start telling people what hope, not just the forgiveness of sins, that is fabulous, but there's more. That life of Christ that you can become like Him. How beautiful is that? That you can become like Him and start teaching people. You know, the poorest of the poor have no hope. They have no hope of life on this earth. They just live every day existing. But when you give them this, they're empowered. That, that levels the playing field. Everybody's equal. We apply ourselves and let that nature of Christ change us. And I think we've just glossed over. Sometimes I think in this country that we just have glossed over. We've gotten so used to being Christian or what we think is Christian. We've really forgotten to dig down and say, well, what exactly was he telling us that we could be? So that's my thoughts.
0: And I want to... Uh I want to go on with what I was saying. I'm down uh, in the last paragraph on page one. And, you know, people testify how God changed them. But when it comes to examine their testimony, so much of what they speak of are the bondage and vices that had their natural man bound. But very few can testify that their thoughts, actions, or how they behaved themselves really changed. And if this is the case then you really can't separate them from people that aren't saved. And by this I mean that there there's many good people, morally good people out there in the world. They don't lie, they don't cheat, they don't fornicate, they don't pitch drunken fits, they don't they're good moral people. But if all we're gonna testify is our moral goodness and how God cleaned us up morally, those people are still bound by the yoke of sin. They're still sinners, so nothing's changed in them. So, has something changed in us if all God has done is cleaned us up morally? And what can we say? Okay, and the very last few words there, and having received the Spirit of Christ, and I'm going to page two, or the Holy Ghost, they still deal with anger, bitterness, envy, strife, jealousy, among other things, and they still walk in strife and division. If this is the case, then something is horribly wrong, and we need to ask ourselves why we were given the Spirit of Christ. You don't have to have the Spirit of Christ to receive salvation. All you got to do is repent and be baptized. The Word tells you in Mark sixteen fifteen, 15, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. It don't say anything about receiving the Spirit of Christ. The Spirit of Christ is given to change us. It's given to kill this carnal nature and bring us to that place because, okay, Jesus was our example, right? How I many of y'all believe Jesus was the example? Okay, the very reason He let John baptize Him was because when John went to baptize him, he said, I don't need to baptize you. You need to baptize me. But Jesus said, Suffer it to be so to fulfill all righteousness. Or this is the example of salvation that you repent and are baptized. That's salvation. Okay? But he didn't stop with salvation. The Holy Ghost came down. Sat down in him. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. And he went forth... In love, mercy, compassion, tenderness, forgiveness, power, authority, and dominion. So if He's our example, and the Spirit of the resurrected Christ comes in when the Holy Ghost comes in, then if we're confessing the Holy Ghost, what are we confessing? Are you confessing you can talk in tongues? Big deal. We don't need something to let us speak in tongues. We need something to kill our carnal mind. Amen. We need something to destroy this uh, works of the flesh listed in Galatians five eighteen. We need something to destroy all this. And when the Lord gave her that vision here, uh, what was it, June? June what? June fifth two
2: 2017.
0: She was back on her knees praying and she saw David go up before Goliath. She saw him run toward him, take that sling and loose that stone and hit him in the forehead and when it did, it sunk down in and the Lord spoke to her and said, I have given you the ability to slay the carnal mind because that's where the mind is, right there. And that stone sunk sunk down in Goliath's forehead. Goliath is a type of the flesh. That stone is a type of the rock of Christ. So when it sunk down in that forehead it killed that carnality, literally. But the Lord was telling us spiritually, He don't want you bound by all these uh, works of the flesh, especially uh, any of them, but especially strife, division, bitterness, anger, because when these go to work in you and you yield to them, it opens the door for the devil to get in. As long as you walk upright before God, You cry out to God, you let the Spirit of the resurrected Christ work in you, the devil has no power over you. He has no power over you whatsoever. Because the Christ is in here. If you let the Christ take control, what's the devil going to do? What's he going to do? He has no power. He has no power. 1 John 3 and 8 will tell you, He that sinneth is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose was the Son of God manifested, (coughs) that he might destroy the works of the devil. The works of the devil to the believer are destroyed. Are y'all hearing me? What are the works of the devil? The works of the flesh, the carnal mind. When man disobeyed God in sin, and the Lord came down and called Adam, he said, where are you? He said, I was afraid because I was naked. Well, God wasn't saying, Adam, where are you? And where's your physical presence? God is saying, where's your spiritual man? Because there had been a rift of disobedience and a separation between God and man. He wasn't asking Adam where he was physically. He knew where Adam was. He's God. He's the Almighty. He knew exactly where he was. He wanted to know what had happened to him spiritually. Where are you, ma'am? What has happened to you? And Adam said, I was afraid because I was naked. And the Lord had him right there. He said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Have thou eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? God told him not only not to eat of it, he said, Don't touch it. In the day that you touch it, in the day that you eat of it, ye shall surely die. What did the devil tell Eve? You ain't going to die if you do this. God just don't want you to become like he is. In other words, he seduced her reasoning into thinking that if she done what the devil was telling her, she was going to get a greater revelation and a greater experience in God. Eve didn't do it to be disobedient. She didn't do it to fall away from God. She thought that she was gaining ground with God when she done it. That's how cunning Satan is. That's how the wiles of the devil work that Paul talked about in Ephesians 6. He can outsmart you. He's outsmarted a whole lot greater people than us. He's outsmarted them. So, but as long as we keep that relaying them when the Lord let, he said, I'm putting enmity between the woman's seed, which is a type of the church, and man's seed. That was the carnal mind. That way man couldn't just walk in and possess eat of that tree of life. That carnal mind come up and it started blocking him on every turn. Started hindering him. Started keeping him from understanding. Started keeping the revelation of the Word from coming in. Are y'all following with me? So, we have got to come to the knowledge and understanding That there ought to be something working in us that ain't working in us. We're not following after and pursuing the Spirit of Christ for it to work in us like it needs to work in us because if it was, ask yourself what is the Spirit of Christ supposed to be doing in me? What's it supposed to be doing in me? What is His nature? What is His nature? What is His thoughts? If Christ is my example and I've received a measure of His Spirit inside of me and I'm supposed to be dying out to this carnal man, what should be being produced in me? What should be coming forth in me? And if we're the same old mean, angry, bitter, angry, backbiting, upset uh, person that we were and we're confessing we've received the Spirit of Christ, something's wrong. Something's wrong, yes. and you got a church full of people like this. It's reading people fed up with church. They totally fed up with church, and they will tell you. And, and I'm gonna tell you, there's a there's a hatred in the world for Christians, but Pentecostals especially, yes. because they're more hypocritical, they're more judgmental, and they're more condemning than any people on the face of the earth. When they should have the spirit and nature of Christ to be loving, merciful, forgiving. You understand what I'm saying? And I I won't put that Pentecostal label on myself. Somebody asked me what faith I am, and I've told them many times, I said, well, I didn't know there was but one. I said, but I'm trying to be a Christian because I don't believe in denomination. The word denomination means division. It's a divider. Every denomination has taken something from this Bible that they don't believe and formed a belief on what they believe and understand. That's a divider. Every denomination is a divider. It may be they just had that measure of truth revealed to them at that time, but they've never grown past that. They made a doctrine out of it, they made a division out of it. They have preached it to people and they've never took people any further. Just like uh You talk to people about salvation. There's churches everywhere that believe in salvation. They preach repentance. They preach water baptism, and they go no further. They go no further. So, they're constantly battling the carnal mind. They're constantly warring against the working of the Holy Ghost by the gifts in their church. They'll tell you they believe in it, but it's never manifested. But I'm not worried about the gifts as much as I am the nature. There's got to be a change in our nature. And the mind, the same mind that was in Christ Jesus, should be forming in us. It should be forming in us. Okay? Because uh, 2 Peter 1 and 4 is the next scripture on page 2. And he said, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that ye might be partakers of the divine nature. See, we've got promises in this Word. And that's what Peter was saying. All through the Word, there's exceeding great and precious promises that we can be made a partaker of the divine nature. How does that divine nature come in us? Through the indwelling of the Christ. Through the indwelling of of the resurrected Christ. And I don't want to get y'all confused, but the Holy Ghost that dwelt in Jesus when He walked this earth is not the same Holy Ghost He sent back from heaven. Explain that. The Lord spoke to me on February the 16th, 2013 and said the Holy Ghost, now listen to what I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost that I am sending back is the full resurrected power of the Christ mixed with the humanity of man. And I went into a vision a few days later, and I saw all stages of Jesus' life, from the time he was a young man all the way to his crucifixion, burial, and resurrection. And what I saw was every miracle he'd done, every trial he went through— Every temptation he faced, him and the Spirit of God that was in him became one and continually became one. I saw, if you know anything about science, you know if you see a graph of DNA, it's like five or six strands, and they're all different colors, and they're twisted like kind of a ladder. Well, I took modeling clay. This is what the Lord showed me. I took different strands of modeling clay Twisted them all together and then I kept rolling them and rolling them and blending them until they became one. You couldn't tell the difference in the colors. You couldn't tell they were ever separated. And the Lord said, everything that Jesus went to, Him and the Spirit became one until He became the Christ. Until He became God manifested in the fullness. In the flesh of a man, but the humanity of the man still remained. It still remained. That's how the Scripture in, I believe it's 1 Timothy, it might be Second, but anyway, 2 and 5 said there is one God, there is one mediator or go-between, between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Because he still retains, not the carnality, but he still retains the humanity of the man. He still retains the mercy, the compassion, the forgiveness. Adam was not made carnal. He wasn't made to die. He was made immortal. He was made incorruptible. He was made eternal. But he had humanity. He had humanity. And when God created him, He created him in his image and in his likeness. So everything that was in Adam was the likeness of God. Just like the Bible tells us in Hebrews 1 and 3 that Jesus was the express image of God's person. That's what Jesus expressed, the person of God. There's only one person of God. That is what Jesus showed us. That's what Jesus showed us. Y'all following with me? He is the brightness of His image. He's the express image of His person. I believe what Hebrews 1 and 3 says. But the Lord showed me that He became the Christ. So when He said, I am going to send back the Holy Ghost, which is the Comforter, what He sent back was the Spirit of what He became. So when the Holy Ghost comes in us, We are not just power and authority. And that's what the church is centered on. We're not just power and authority. The Bible tells you in Acts 10.38 how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Tell me what all the Pentecostal churches preach. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. In my name you shall cast out devils. You shall take up serpents. You shall speak with new tongues. If you drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt you. Everything in the Gospels and the book of Acts about receiving the Holy Ghost is power, 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 power. That's what God put in Jesus when he walked this earth, was power and authority. Jesus didn't reveal a whole lot of the divine nature. He started revealing it, but... That is when he uh, told us, that's what Peter told us. Not only can we have power and authority, we can have the divine nature. But see, all the church has done, they don't look at what Jesus done. They don't look at his forgiveness. They don't look at him having mercy on the woman that committed adultery when they drug her up in front of Jesus. said, Jesus, we caught this woman in the very act of adultery. said, the law says, Stoner, what would you say? Jesus stood down and wrote on the ground, looked back up at him, said, He that's without sin. Let him cast the first stone. Right. Somebody asked me one time, Brother Meadow, what do you think Jesus wrote on the ground? Any man that looketh on a woman, lusteth after, has committed yeah. adultery already in his heart.
2: That's
0: just my supposition. But, He told him. He said, you ain't got no sin in your life. Go ahead and stone her. Go ahead and stone her. And when everybody walked away, Jesus looked at her and said, Woman, where are thine accusers? She said, Lord, I have none. He said, Neither do I condemn thee, but go thy way and sin no more. Because if you do, something worse is coming on you. But see, the church don't preach that. All they preach is the Holy Ghost in power, Holy Ghost in power, talking in tongues, gifts of the Spirit, power, 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 authority, power. Nobody breaks down this divine nature. They don't break down this divine nature. And until we reach that place that we can seek God for this divine nature to be revealed, we ain't no different in the church world. We ain't no different. I'm going to be different. I'm going to be different. I told the Lord, and he called me to preach. I said, you better make me different. I said, because you put 100 preachers in a bag, and you shake out one, you shook out all 99. They're just alike. I said, I will not be like other preachers. I'm not going to do it. I said, you will make me different, whatever it takes. And so, that's what Peter said in Second Peter 1 and 4. We are given Unto us exceeding great and precious promises that we might be partakers of the divine nature. I this divine nature, and only by this divine nature can you escape the corruption and the lust that's in the world and in man. Because man's a carnal creature. He's got a nature, and he's going to do what that nature tells him to do. It's like dogs has got a nature, cat's got a nature. They're gonna do what that nature. You can take a dog and cat ain't never seen one another and they're mortal enemies. They're mortal enemies for the majority of the time. You can find situations where, you know, but they're mortal enemies. So your carnal man in the in Galatians five and eighteen and nineteen, those whatever it is, eighteen, nineteen works of the flesh listed there, if it's not brought under subjection to the working of the spirit. It's going to do those things because that's its nature. But Peter's saying here that we can be made a partaker of the divine nature, what will put to death those works of the flesh. Mm -hmm. That will put them to death. Okay? Mm -hmm. So, notice what the word is speaking here, that by these exceeding great and precious promises, we might be partakers of the divine nature of the resurrected Christ. This is the only way to escape the corruption that is in the world through man's lust. One of these promises is given in the book of Romans. In Romans eight twenty nine. He said, For whom he did foreknow. He did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Okay, what is he saying here? The word foreknow means he knew you beforehand. When he spoke to Jeremiah in Jeremiah the first chapter, he told Jeremiah, and Jeremiah was just a kid. When God visited him, spoke to him. He said, before I formed you in your mother's womb, he said, I knew you. I knew you. He said, before you was born, took your first breath, he said, I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. So there's your foreknowledge, there's your predestination. So whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed or fashioned like the image of the resurrected Christ. That's a promise. That's a promise. Y'all following with me? You following with me, Brother Donald? You look a little puzzled.
3: No, but I just got a question. Okay.
0: All right, go ahead.
3: The church now, I've heard that Jesus, you know, right here says
0: yeah
3: I've heard people preach in churches that there's certain people in the world predest yeah to go to hell or I don't believe and that. I, and I don't either. i and I'm always all said, Yeah. Well, well it's the, it's,
0: it is the It's the will of God that all men will be saved.
3: But, but I've heard that minister didn't that's to be this uh-uh. that. I don't believe that. Certain people to be this. I don't
0: believe that.
2: Takes
3: away free will. It, Man, yeah, really that takes away
0: free will because that, that's just a false
2: doctrine and there. you can be
0: predestined yeah. and foreordained. Yeah. Just like the Lord spoke to me in 89. He said, you are predestined and foreordained to be a son of God in these last yeah. days. But it's still my choice.
2: Yeah.
0: It's still my choice. Yeah.
2: The, obedient. the
0: Lord's not going to make me do anything. He gives me that privilege. He gives me that opportunity. It's His will that I'm predestined and foreordained. But it's up to me to come under submission and obedience to the Word and the working of His Spirit because He revealed to me. He revealed to me what I could be. But He, he said it's still And he he told me then, he said, I didn't put you in this world to be a husband. I didn't put you in this world to be a father. He said, that was your choice. He did. He said, that was your choice. But I knew once I met her because I went into a time of fasting and prayer, and I fasted 33 days to get the mind of God on whether to marry Because I'd already been in ministry 10 years. And I'd seen so many ministers get shipwrecked because they got married and their wives didn't want to be in ministry or they'd gotten in fights. Or they, you know, they wanted different things. And so the Lord told me. He said, it's your choice. He said, but if you choose her, he said, she will be a good mother, she will be a good wife, she will be a good companion. Well, the Lord didn't let me know that she was going to walk in one mind, in one spirit with me in ministry because for 28 years, she didn't do anything in ministry. She didn't play the organ. She didn't lead a song. She didn't testify. She didn't do nothing. She didn't do nothing in ministry. She was there supporting me. She was there praying with me. She was behind the scenes. But she didn't do one thing to help in a meeting, she, didn't. she She told me if we went to a church, she said, you tell them people not to call on me. You tell them leave me alone. I ain't testifying. I ain't I ain't called. So, that's what I had to tell them. Leave her alone. But, the Lord knew. And so the Lord, these last several years, has brought us together in a unity. Because I didn't know it. She did. But she was predestined and foreordained from the foundation of the world to be the vessel that God's called her to be. And there's an anointing on her. There's an anointing of a prophetess on her. God uses her. God uses her greatly. He is putting deliverance in her life by what she come through by that depression. And nobody put it in her. God put it in her because she fought her way back. So, uh... But he said, you are predestined and foreordained to be conformed. That word we found out in Romans 12, same word, fashioned alike. The Christ. Not the man Jesus. The resurrected Christ. The resurrected Christ. Do I believe that we can be like Jesus as he walked on this earth? I believe that's the first step. But see, there's a difference between the man Jesus as He walked on this earth and the resurrected Christ. The resurrected Christ is eternal, immortal, incorruptible, and has all power in heaven and earth dwelling in Him. The man that walked on this earth did not. He was mortal. His flesh would corrupt. He could have chosen a different path and sinned. Because in that garden, He prayed and He surrendered His will to the Father. He said, Father, If there be any way, he knew what he was fixing to face. If there be any way, let this cup pass from me. The Bible says in Hebrews 5, with strong cries and tears in that he feared, he offered up prayers unto him that was able to save him. He didn't want to go through what he was fixing to go through. So he said, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. He said, but I know and understand, for this purpose right here, I came into the world. So, not my will, but thine be done. That's where he totally surrendered. He totally surrendered everything. So, he had to surrender. He was man. He was man from the beginning. I don't believe God come down and wrapped himself in flesh. I believe he was made in the likeness of sinful flesh. He's just like me and you. That's why he understands us. The Bible said... Let's see, what is it? Uh, uh, He was tempted in all points, like as we are. If He wasn't made like us, He couldn't be tempted like us. But yet, He chose not to sin. He chose not to be disobedient. We have a faithful and a merciful high priest. He was tempted in all points. That's the reason He came, so that God... Could understand the emotions, the weaknesses, the frailties of man, of the carnal mind. Jesus wore the carnal mind. He wore the carnal mind. Y'all listening to me? He wore it. Okay. If you don't think He wore it, uh, the Gospel of John 16, verse 33, says. In the world you have tribulation. In me you have peace, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. If you go to 1 John 2, and I believe it's around 15, the Bible says all that it is in the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Jesus said, I've overcome the lust of the flesh. I've overcome the lust of the eyes. I've overcome the pride of life. He said the things that trip man up, he said, I've overcame them because that was the three things that Satan tempted him with when he came out of that wilderness. He listed him, he, he tempted him with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And he said, all that is in the world. He said, the love of the Father's not in the world. It's not in the world. He said, all that's out there is the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Well, Jesus overcame those and became submitted and obedient to the will of the Father. That's why he became our example. That's why we can become as He is. We can become as He is. He was our example. The Lord spoke to me in 2006 out of Philippians, the third chapter, and the tenth verse. And it said, Paul said that I may know Him in the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings. <laughs> being made conformable unto his death, that if by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. So Paul saw that there was a people that could attain to that resurrected Christ in the fullness living in him. And when the Lord spoke that to me, I started studying it. And a few days down the road, the Lord spoke to me. He said, Do you want to be as I am? Or do you want to be as I was when I walked this earth? I said, "Let's see, mortal, corruptible, facing temptation, fighting the devil, immortal, eternal, all power in heaven." And earth. I said, "I'll take as you are."
2: <laughs>
0: so he said, "Do you want to be as I am, or do you want to be as I was?" And First John four seventeen tells us that we can be as He is in this present world in this present yeah. world we can be as he is and that's what all this teaching is about but it's not something you're going to snap your fingers right. and it's going to happen yeah. you, gotta so you got to submit yourself
3: you it comes you go through
0: it comes through the mind right. yeah. it comes through right. submitting to right yes. Yes. right right would,
1: would you... Just, I think a good scripture to add in, uh, John seven thirty nine. Um, okay, all
0: right. Where I was talking about uh, Jesus and the uh, Holy Ghost being twisted together in that DNA and becoming one. Okay. I'll show you where the Lord gave me that scripture. And it's in the Gospel of John, chapter 7. We'll just go to 38. Y'all there with me? He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So when he was glorified, his Spirit, could come back and live in man. As long as he was man living on this earth, his spirit couldn't live in man. He said in the gospel, you read uh, you read gospel of John 14, 15, and 16, he told him, he said, it's necessary that I go away. For if I don't go away, the Holy Ghost cannot come. Why? The Holy Ghost is the Spirit of the Christ. He had to die, be resurrected, and be glorified For that Spirit to come back to us, as long as He walked this earth as a man, couldn't happen. Couldn't happen. But once He was glorified, once He ascended up, put His blood on that mercy seat, He was glorified, He became immortal and eternal, then He could send His Spirit because the fullness of God was living in Him. It's still living in Him. He is man, but the fullness of God still abides in Him. So that spirit can go anywhere. It can go anywhere. So this is what the Lord is wanting to put in us. This resurrected Christ and the complete divine nature of Almighty God, that is our inheritance. You ever read in Romans 8 where it says we are heirs with God and joint heirs with Christ? The word joint means equal. It means equal. So we are everything that Jesus obtained, we're equal heirs to it. That's our part. That's our promise. That's our inheritance. And we live in way below our means and our privileges because we've never been taught that the spirit of the resurrected Christ would change our carnal nature, would kill our carnal man. We've been told not to sin, but we've never been told how not to sin. Mm-hmm. We've never been taught the power to destroy the carnal mind and the works of the flesh has been given and that God would change us that we could be made partakers of the divine nature. We've just been taught, well, you ain't supposed to sin. You got the Holy Ghost. Well, that's all well and good. But you having the Holy Ghost doesn't keep the devil from tempting you. Right. Doesn't keep the harassing, tormenting, and condemning forces of hell off your back. I've seen people go to church for years and finally give up and quit because they couldn't get victory over what they were battling. They weren't taught how was the problem. It wasn't they couldn't. They were never taught how. And so many times, and I've I've had this happen to people in my meetings. They'd come to me. I had a lady come to me one time in tears. I mean, just just bawling her eyes out. Been serving God 10, going on 11 years. She said, Brother Metter, I've got to know something. I said, what? She said, I've got to know whether i got the Holy Ghost or not. I looked at her and I said, well, don't you know? She said, Brother Metter, she said, since I've been saved and I've been in church, she said, I have been constantly badgered, beat up on, hit at, persecuted, because I don't talk in tongues. And they're telling me I don't have the Holy Ghost because I don't talk in tongues. I said, I don't believe that. I said, Jesus never taught that. Paul never taught it. Peter never taught it. It was never taught. The evidence of the Holy Ghost being in you is the Spirit, nature, and the fruit of Christ. Tongues has nothing to do with it. Tongues has nothing to do with it. You are made a partaker of the divine nature. Besides that, those people on the day of Pentecost, they were prepared for something. The Lord had ministered to them for three and a half years. They were made, they were prepared to receive something. So it wasn't just... Uh, the only reason the tongues came was to testify to all the priests and the devout men who had gathered from every nation under heaven in Jerusalem for Pentecost. That's the only reason the tongues came. The tongues came at the house of Cornelius to let the apostles know that something had come in these people but who knows what they spoke every just about every one of those in the house of Cornelius were latin they were they were romans they were from italy cuz it was Cornelius family and friends they were they 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 could their natural language could have been latin but they might have spoke hebrew so Peter and them would know, we don't know. But just speaking in tongues is not evidence. Because I'm going to tell you, and I'll get into this more later, but the Lord told me in 91, He said there's a difference between the Spirit of God coming on you and the Spirit of God dwelling in you. He said there's men all down through the Bible that the Spirit of God came on them. They've done great miracles. And the Lord told me, you can do great miracles by the anointing, by the Spirit of God getting on you. But if you're ever going to live holy... He's got to get inside of you. And he got to start changing you. he got to start changing you. Y'all following with me? I hope this is being good. Because this is what we've got to seek for right now. We've got to seek for God to dwell in us. For Him to baptize us in the Holy Ghost. That is going to go down inside of us. And start changing This carnal, just start killing this carnal man. And uh, if you go to page 3, as long as we are governed by the carnal mind and the works of the flesh, then we aren't going to move forward into what God has for us. 1 Corinthians 3 and 3. For ye are carnal, whereas there is among you Indian strife and division. Are ye not carnal and walk as men? Paul was addressing believers, and he went on to tell them in 1 Corinthians 3 and 4, for why one said, I'm a Paul, another I'm a Paulus, are you not carnal? He was addressing the divisions between them concerning ministers. It's the same today, people for one minister over another, and this divides people. These are the emotions that the world is fashioned after and is not pleasing to the Lord. So how do we get people to address what was spoken in Romans 12 and 2? If you can't confess that you have these things working in you, then you truly need to change. Then there won't be an effort on your part to change. It has to come from a heart that's hungry and has a desire to be like Jesus. And what I mean by that right there, if you're confessing the Holy Ghost and you ain't changed, yeah. you're not going to seek for a change. Right. Because you're convinced. And I, I told people at our church in Alabama for years, I said, if y'all think y'all got the Holy Ghost, you ain't never going to seek for anything greater than what you got. If you think you got it, you ain't going to seek for anything greater. <laughs> for about the
4: last six months, I've been praying honestly every day that I would have a minor- and I just yes. said, I have every, like, I just ask God, Lord, I want every thought that would go through your he- mind, like, how you would react to people, yeah. how you talk, how you, when you're around people, what you do, what you say, your actions, your gestures. Yeah.
0: everything I want to have your mind
4: this is what the
0: indwelling in yeah. this but is I see a huge in this is what this is what the indwelling listen to me this is what the indwelling of the spirit of the resurrected Christ starts bringing that's why Paul said in Philippians let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus and the Lord, y'all remember I taught on this about a year ago. Uh, because it goes on and says that He thought it not robbery to be equal with God. So the mind that was in Christ Jesus, He thought it not to be made equal with His Father. If that mind of Christ gets right. in us, then we're not going to put any holes. Well, you like a little child. I want to
4: be like you, Daddy. I want to be like you. Daddy. Right my prayer is like I want to be just like you I want to be like you same principle that mind yes to, you know all the fruits of the spirit which you know you saw all my chairs have the fruits yes. of the spirit I want every one of those fruits of the spirit be. to right. just be like really come who out of are. me and just, mm-hmm. just the essence of who of I who am that's right,
2: really yeah that's exactly okay yes. let's
0: let's go that to Romans is it. 13 that is it. and verse 13 and 14 let us walk. The word walk means to be occupied with. So if you're going to walk in the Spirit, you've got to be occupied with things of the Spirit. Honestly, that means decently, as in the day or in the light of the Word, not in rioting, parting, or reviling, or reveling, and drunkenness, intoxicated with cares of life, Not in chambering, and that means cohabitation. I learned something when I looked this up. That means you ain't supposed to be living with each other and committing fornication. So that's cohabitation and wantonness, which is the filthiness of the flesh. So anybody ever ask you if there's anything in Scripture that says they ain't supposed to be living together, you give them this right here. Because chambering is cohabitation between the sexes. And wantonness is the lust of the flesh. In filthiness, not in strife, which is quarreling, and envying, which is jealousy, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. That word right there, put ye on, is clothe or array, and it's the same word that says ye shall be endued with power from on high. The word endu means to clothe, be arrayed, or wrapped up in. This word right here, put ye on, comes from the same Greek word. Which is uh, 1746, put ye on or in do. So when you put on the Lord Jesus Christ, you're putting on His nature. You're putting on His love. You're putting on His wisdom. You're putting on His compassion. And Paul said here, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and don't make provision. Don't set yourself up with provisions to go out there and fulfill the lust of your flesh if they're against God. Lust means desires. Every lust ain't sexual. It's it's desires. You can have desires to do things that may not necessarily be sin, but they separate you from your relationship with God. Keeps you from doing the things that you should. should. But if you put on the Lord Jesus, you're wrapped up in Him. The word in do means to wrap up in. When you look it up, it means to wrap up in. So, you put on the Lord Jesus, and you don't make provisions for your flesh to fulfill the lust or the desires thereof. And my whole reasoning on it is people aren't concentrating on seeking God to change. We just had this teaching that we got the Holy Ghost, and that's all there is to it. No, that ain't all there is to it. We're not applying what God has given us. If the spirit of the resurrected Christ is living in us in a measure, the more you yield to it, the more you give yourself over to it, the greater that measure is going to get. Because when you start giving yourself and yielding your members, what the Bible tells us, yield your members as instruments unto righteousness. When you start giving yourself over to righteousness, then carnality is going to leave. Well the more the natural and carnal man dies, the more the spiritual man's gonna grow and live and the more he's gonna take control. But I know people that's been in church forty years and they ain't changed a lick in forty years. They don't want to change. Right, want to they ain't change. been taught to change. Well and I got saved, Jesus delivered me from smoking, drinking, cussing and chasing women. Well that's all good. You still got the same testimony forty two years later.
2: Most these churches around here say
3: we gotta act for repentance. It doesn't say just repent. it says to repent and amend your life. Mm-hmm. Well, the word repent means to yeah. turn from.
2: Yeah. Amend is to correct, correct Yeah. Right. You follow the Lord. Right. They don't teach that. Now, yep. Leave those
0: ways. Well, repent means to turn from, mm-hmm. to go in a different mm-hmm. direction. That's what the word repent means. Mm-hmm. So, and and in Acts the third chapter, nineteenth verse, Peter preached, "Repent and be converted." That your sins may be blotted out.
4: Okay. Amend
2: your life, which is very clear.
0: And it should be. That's what it should be. It's just like people come to the altar, they ask God to forgive them. Or people walk down front? They just repeat a prayer. Uh uh-uh. uh. Godly sorrow is what worketh repentance. If the Lord don't smite your heart and make you sorry for what you've done, you're not going to repent. You may confess, but you're not going to repent. So if you don't repent, you're not going to amend or turn from. You're not going to do it. Because I'm going to tell you, I've baptized too many that went down wet centers and, I mean, went down dry centers and come up wet centers. They didn't intend to change. And I've made the statement for years you can get baptized and you know the name of every tadpole in the bottom of the creek. And if you don't let God change it, and the Spirit of Christ come in, and you start yielding control of it to the Spirit of Christ, or the Holy Ghost, ain't nothing ever going to change in you. So we can't confess Christianity if there's no fruit. If there's no fruit. Okay? You can confess it all day long. But where's your fruit? It's just like I started telling y'all here a few months back. What's your testimony? What's your testimony? You tell me God saved you. You tell me you got the Holy Ghost. You tell me God's real in your life. What's your testimony? What's your testimony? If you died today, what's your legacy? You going to have a legacy as a Christian? You going to have a legacy as somebody that walked with God? You going to have a legacy somebody that God used or are they just going to say, well, he accepted Christ? See, if I die today, i got a legacy. I've got a legacy of souls, miracles, deliverance, healings. People know my life. They know what I stand for. They know how I live. They know how I believe. They've seen the power of God manifest. They've seen the fruit of the Spirit manifest in a lot of situations. Because I have put forth the effort to do just what Paul said here. Put on or get wrapped up in the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's the definitions right there uh, for that scripture uh, right below it. And if you'll study these, all right, I'm going to page four. Mine
4: says it different. Uh, mine says so that we walk honestly as in the day, mm-hmm. not in the gluttony and the drunkenness neither in chambering and nor in strife and anyone. Okay. doesn't say rioting.
0: Well, reveling is partying. So, reveling, partying, when you party, you eat. So it's, you know, it just breaks it down a little different, which that's good. Yeah, that's good. That? yeah, It's good to, you know, break it all down and get it all together like when I'm studying, I'll go through a half a dozen different translations on my computer and read them and see what they mean, because I want to know the full range of the scriptures. What
4: do you say? Gluttony. it actually has the word. gluttony. That's
2: and the word gluttony. Gluttony and drunkenness. Mm-hmm. Don't do
0: all gluttony now. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't want you. To, they don't want you messing that belly. Yeah. People serve God. They they gonna go eat what they, they want to eat because this good. is. Now, if, you, if you don't think it'll upset people, do it. you start trying to get people to temper their self in their eating. <laughs> yeah,
2: they'll fight, they'll well, fight you. <laughs> <here>. <laughs> they'll not fight you to a standstill.
4: Like, it's all about eating and what their next meal's going to be, and we're the same way. Yeah. What's our next meal going to be like? And we have to work for them. and We don't we usually don't show like the animals do, but it's always thinking about what that next meal's going to be. And it
2: can just take over your mind.
0: It can. You that know does. when we decide what we're going to eat for supper? supper time. At supper time. <laughs> and then sometimes we still don't know. I a
2: person here and some t- somewhere
0: along we
4: those lines here thought about, hmm, I wonder what we're going to have for lunch. Or, you know, what are we going to go make for dinner? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's just who we are. It's ma- our nature. Yeah. So that, that's the yeah,
0: that's the carnal nature. Mm-hmm. That's what needs to change. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I am at the uh, first paragraph at the top of page Mm 4 the mind must receive a change that comes by the Spirit of God but then that change has to be established, maintained and brought forward into the mind of Christ which I put Philippians 2 and 2 through 6 fulfill ye my joy that ye be like minded having the same love being of one accord and of one mind that only comes through the Holy Ghost and through that mind of Christ Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in the lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. That's your inheritance. That's why it said Jesus was an heir. We're heirs with God and co-heirs with Christ. We're joint heirs. Because he didn't think it was robbery to be equal with his father. Mm -hmm. But man, you start talking about it now. See, the church world is taking all these scriptures right here and everything, and they preach, you're going to get it in heaven. No, you're going to get it right here. If you don't get it down here, you may not get up there. (laughs) And God sure can't use you down here like He wants to use you unless there is a renewing of the mind. The Lord has given us many commandments. And this is the last paragraph on page 4. The Lord has given us many commandments, but getting rid of our fleshly wants and desires are among the hardest. And that's because we enjoy doing some of the things we do. Putting off the natural man is a really tough choice. But Ephesians 4, through 24, that you put off concerning the former conversation. And that word conversation there means behavior. So Paul said you've got to put off the old behavior. Okay? The old man, which is corrupt, and corrupt is moral influences to defile, according to deceitful lust or delusions or desires, which are deceitful, and be renewed or renovated or remodeled in the spirit of your mind, your thoughts or feelings, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created, made or formed in righteousness and true holiness. So it's not just saying cute little phrases like, God's still working on me or I'm not there yet. That's all well and good and true, but it can only be said if there's a serious effort being made to work with the Spirit of God and let it start changing you. We keep wanting God to do all the work and all of a sudden be changed. I'm afraid it doesn't work that way. There has to be a yielding to the Spirit and a place where we start telling the carnal man, no, it won't happen unless we strive, and I mean put forth the effort to let the Holy (laughs) Ghost teach us how to change And that we listen to and put forth the effort to change our behavior. Is it just going to happen? No, it comes by prayer and yielding to convictions and wisdom that God speaks in our hearts. And learning to put godly things in our thoughts and actions that line up with the teaching of the Word of God. I feel like that is a great lesson that God has given us today.